We've got several today. The high school ski trip, January 26 and 27. Adam wanted me to let you know. It's not too late to sign up. Sign up, it'll take place tonight at Reveal. And I want to just remind you, we still have many needs that we are trying to fill with the void that's kind of been left with Ernie's, uh, Ernie's leaving, his resignation, and accepting a new ministry in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Probably at the top of my list, I'm looking for some people to step up and serve as teachers on Wednesday evenings for our families at first program, specifically our grade school students. It's a 15-minute lesson. The lessons are already uh, written out for you, typed out for you. It's a really good curriculum. If you're interested at all in doing one or two Wednesdays this spring, we start January 30, and I certainly, certainly could use you. I'm also really excited about a class that we are going to be offering at 9.30 beginning on February 17. It'll be a four-week class for first through fifth grade students on baptism. Ivy Courts will be leading the class, and we were able to find this wonderful, wonderful book simply entitled, God, Should I Be Baptized? It's a workbook, uh, and each student that goes through this will get this workbook. It'll be theirs to keep, whether they make the decision to be baptized or not. We're going to send forms home, information sheets and forms home with students starting next week during the Sunday school classes and during the junior church classes. Students do not have to be a part of our church to go through this class. If you have a child, grandchild, niece, nephew, neighbor that you think would benefit from this class, let me know. We'll get the appropriate information to them. Each parent or guardian will need to give permission for their student to go through this, but we would love to see a huge turnout beginning February 17 for our baptism class. And then one final comment, we had a great night Wednesday or Tuesday evening, Airymen's Fellowship, Dan Clymer from Restoration House Ministries was with us and did a great job talking about all the good things that is taking place in the New England area through the new church work that's ongoing. Don't forget two of the Timothys from our church, Jim Turney and Carson Cheatham, are a part of new churches in, in the New England area. Jim in Connecticut and Carson's church hasn't even started yet in the Providence, Rhode Island area. But I looked out and I saw my friend Andy Glass is here. Andy, go ahead and stand up. Andy's a longtime minister in this area, and he is now working with Restoration House Ministries. Will you welcome Andy today? Andy, welcome. And, and your wife. Sorry about that. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John. If you're using a pew Bible, turn to page 1056. Today's sermon is what we would call an appetizer sermon. I'm trying to, to whet your appetite, spiritually speaking, for the next two months as we journey through the Gospel of John and specifically the I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. In Exodus chapter 3, you may remember that encounter that Moses had at the burning bush with the Lord. And the Lord said, Moses, I'm getting ready to use you in a great and mighty way. You're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses had all kinds of questions. He was Mr. Excuse. And one of the questions that he had is, who am I supposed to say sent me? I.e., what is your name? Remember what the answer that Moses received was? Tell them, I am who I am. I am who I am. And Jesus, in the Gospel of John, seven different times kind of jumps off on that theme and shares different I am statements about himself. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, this morning, because I know you love this audience participation stuff that we do around here. I know you love it so much. You stay awake late on Saturday night saying, I hope Greg is going to let me talk out loud in church today. What I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to your neighbor, maybe someone behind you, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, and I want you to simply fill in the blank, and we're going to put these blanks up on the screen. Who are you? I am blank. I am blank. I am blank. Go ahead, right now. Have fun. It's church. Smile. Be excited. Okay, it's church. Don't have too much fun, okay? Come on back. Come on back. First service, nobody did this, by the way. First service, so lame compared to you all. Way to go, second service. I am what? Someone just shout something out. I am. I am a child of God. I am a father. I am. I am loved. I am. I am. Let me give you my list. I did this in about two minutes. Here's my list, and I did more than three. Here's my list. I am an Illini fan, even after yesterday. I am a Sam's Club shopper. I am a biker. I am a member of the YMCA. I am an American. I am a fisherman. I am a preacher. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a son. I just rattled it off. It, it wasn't hard at all. One of the easiest exercises I've ever undertaken. Because it's really easy to talk about ourselves, isn't it? Did anybody struggle to come up with, with just one thing to say about yourself? Of course not. Because you know who you are. But as I go through my list and I talk about being an Illini fan and a biker and an American and a fisherman and a preacher and a father, I'm telling a story. In fact, if you're visiting with us today and you've never met me before, you've never spent time with me before, you've never heard a sermon before, right now you know a lot about me. Just simply by the I am statements that I have shared about myself. Jesus did the exact same thing for his disciples. And for those who were wanting to know more about what's it mean to be a Christ follower. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. Jesus was telling a story about himself. He was helping those who, who were following, those who were considering following after him, what he was all about. Now, there is one thing that I noticed from the answers that you shouted out and the answers that I shared. All of my answers were, I am an Illini fan. I am a preacher. I didn't say I am the preacher. I didn't say I am the Illini fan. I didn't say I am the biker. I didn't say I am the husband. I'm one of many. But each time that Jesus shares an I am statement, he doesn't say, I am a bread of life, I am a light of the world, I am a gate. He says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate. And for these next two months, we're going to figure out what exactly was he trying to say. Again, wetting your appetite today, let's look at each of these one at a time and try to find a takeaway 
that, that we can take with us today. Number one, Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And in John chapter 6, there are two of the more famous, famous of miracles all in the New Testament that Jesus performed. And the first was he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And the second was he walked on water, Peter, or Jesus walking on the water. And those are very, very famous miracles. After these miracles have taken place, as he's engaging his disciples, he says, I am the bread of life. If you think about it, bread is a staple. Now, I know there's diets out there now where we don't eat any bread at all. I'm never going on one of those diets, by the way, because I love bread way too much. But there is something about bread. There is something that is filling about bread. There's really something about homemade, freshly baked bread right out of the oven. Can I get an amen? Amen. And sometimes bread will satisfy, if it's that special piece of bread, almost like nothing else. This week on Wednesday, um, it's been a little chaotic around here trying to get everything rolling for 2013. And ha had a fairly busy Monday and Tuesday here late, different things happening. Wednesday, able to get a lot of work done. And I realized that we only had a couple nice days left until the terrible ice storm of 2013 hit on Saturday night, which, thank goodness, it didn't really hit necessarily. And I decided that I was going to try to squeeze in a bike ride Wednesday afternoon. So I had a hospital call and I had appointments and visits and errands and all of this. And I found myself on my bike in Springfield on the bike trails and about 17 miles into my bike ride, my stomach started to hurt. I mean, it really started cramping. And I wondered if I was going to be contracting the Jim Koontz killer stomach flu that he had last week. I wondered if that's what was coming my way. And then it hit me. At like 3.45 in the afternoon, I realized what the problem was. I was hungry. I had not eaten lunch that day. I had a bowl of Rice Krispies at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'd eaten nothing else for the rest of the day. And my body was telling me, Greg, you need to eat. Now, I know you're worried about me. I know you're worried that I'm going to waste away. The good news is that, that night at the Elder Staff Mini Retreat at Little Galley, I had three helpings of Famous Dave's brisket. So all is well. I went home weighing more than uh, when I started that morning. But here's the implication for you today. Jesus fills our spiritual hunger like no one or nothing else. Have you, have you ever been physically hungry to the point you really couldn't accomplish anything. You couldn't get anything done. I've been there before. And guess what I do? I go eat. And a lot of times I go eat a lot. When you're spiritually hungry, Jesus fills that hunger like no one or nothing else. In John chapter 8 and in John chapter 9, Jesus shares the same I am statement about himself. He simply says, I am the light of the world. And on January 27 and then on February 3, we're going to spend time in John chapter 8 and then in John chapter 9. Looking at why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 8, we have that famous, famous encounter with the woman caught in adultery. And she's dragged in, probably wearing very little in front of the town elders, and they bring Jesus in, and they say, guess what, Jesus? We know the law, and the law of Moses says we need to kill her right now. We need to stone her to death. What say you, Jesus? What say you, genius? And Jesus says the, that famous phrase, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he looks at her and says, go and leave 
your life of sin. Right after that encounter, the very next verse in John, John records Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. John chapter 9 is the story of the young man born blind, and there's a great debate going around. Why was the young man born blind? Was it the sin of his parents? Was it his sin? What's the deal? And in the midst of this really awesome miracle where Jesus restores sight to this young man born blind, Jesus again says, I am the light of the world. I wonder the, what went through that young man's mind, been, been blind his whole life, when he finally was able to see. He finally was able to see literally the light. And he hears Jesus say, I am the light of the world. There's something special about light. We're, we're weird at our house in that we still have our Christmas lights up, and I still plug them in every night. I know very few people do. I think there's two houses in our entire village that still have them rolling, but I absolutely love when I drive home at night from a meeting, or I'm out walking the dog early in the morning, and the sun has not come up yet. I love to be able to see my house illuminated a couple blocks away. There's something awesome about light that penetrates darkness. And friends, you know this, our world today is dark spiritually. And Jesus Christ penetrates that light. He is the light of the world. On February 10, we're going to spend the first of two weeks in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, two different times, Jesus says, I am the gate. And if you use the King James Version or the New American Standard Version or ESV, your Bible might say Jesus saying, I am the door, door, gate, same concept. The, the, the paradigm that Jesus is using here is the flock. And he says that thieves want to break in and harm the flock, but I am the gate to eternal life. I am the gate to safety and security. And the implication is really simple. In a world of multiple paths and many options, it's Jesus that provides entrance to life. On February 10, Jesus, I am the gate. The next week, we stay in John chapter 10 because almost immediately after Jesus spends time talking about I am the gate and talks about I've come to bring you life and life to the full, the abundant life, Zoe, we'll get into the Greek on the 10th. On the 17th, Jesus continues this, this paradigm of sheep and he says, I am the good shepherd. John records Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the sheep, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And, and what's really neat about verses 11 and following is that uh, Jesus contrasts the difference between the shepherd and the hired hand. And I think it's a concept that we can connect with. The hired hand is there simply because it's a job. And when danger arises, the hired hand may flee. His life's not necessarily in it. He's just the hired hand. His heart's not necessarily in it. He doesn't love the flock. But the good shepherd, the shepherd is willing to do whatever it takes to protect the flock. I think there's a great concept for us to grab a hold of there related to, to our connection with Jesus Christ in 2013. Do you have the attitude of the hired hand? Is church just something you do? It's my Sunday morning, 11 o'clock thing, and it doesn't really change my life? Or are you all in, like the shepherd is all in? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 
I will lay down my life for the sheep. And the implication is this. When harassed and helpless, Jesus cares and provides for his followers. Um, It's been a tough start to the year for some in our community and some in our church. It's been a, a really tough end to 2012 for many of you. I realize that. And the temptation many times when going through a storm of life is to say, I'm all alone. There's nobody there. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. When you're harassed, when you're helpless, I will care for you. I will provide for you. February 25, we're going to be in John chapter 11. Maybe my favorite miracle other than the resurrection in the Gospels, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And it's there in John chapter 11 that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And again, you may know the story, you may not. Jesus was very close with a family that consisted of two sisters and a brother, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They they were really tight with Jesus. And Lazarus became sick. And Martha and Mary said, send word to Jesus. He was off ministering. He needs to come immediately. Our brother is sick. And Jesus didn't come right then. In fact, Jesus didn't come that day. Jesus waited four days, and Lazarus died, and he was buried, and he was in the tomb. And when Jesus arrived, he didn't have the typical celebratory hug that he was used to from Martha and Mary. Instead, the words were harsh. In fact, Martha says, I think in verse 21, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Mary repeats the same charge later on in John chapter 11. Jesus says, chill out, sister. Now, not really. He doesn't really say chill out, sister. But he says, this is all part of the plan. This is all part of a miracle that's going to take place. But in the midst of this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And on February 25th, if you have friends in your life that are not followers of Christ, invite them to join you that day. Invite them to join you any Sunday. But that Sunday specifically, we're going to dwell on that question. Do you believe this? Because if you believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life, why would you not be a follower of Jesus Christ? The implication is this. In the face of death and destruction, Jesus allows us, Jesus provides the way for us to overcome. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. On March the 3rd, we'll be in John chapter 14, where Jesus said his sixth I am statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's the most inside look at the heart of Jesus in all of the Bible. It's an inside look at the heart of Jesus. It's as intimate a Jesus as you will see recorded in Scripture. And that whole chunk of Scripture, those four chapters, begin in John chapter 14 with Jesus simply telling his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And the reason he says don't let your hearts be troubled is because their hearts were troubled. They were afraid. They were scared. He'd been talking about the fact that he was going to have to die. He was going to have to die an awful death. And they couldn't imagine life without him. 
They couldn't imagine what, what life was going to be like if he was gone. And so he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And then he said, in my house are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you. You know where I am going. And it was Thomas, doubting Thomas, that spoke up and said, what are you talking about? We don't know where the house is. We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the implication is this. It's not politically correct, by the way. Many in our world, maybe people in your world, hate this implication. But here's the implication. Salvation is found nowhere else in no one else. Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. And then finally, week seven will be in John chapter 15, the final I am statement. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, you are the branches. And it's a different kind of I am statement. In fact, as I was studying this week, getting ready for this appetizer sermon, you know, I am the bread of life. That's kind of flashy. I am the light of the world. I love light. I am the gate. Yeah, that makes sense. I am the good shepherd. Great concept. I am the resurrection and life. Oh yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You better believe it. I I am the vine. I am the vine. That's what you're going to end with? I thought to myself, why would he go there? I am the vine, you are the branches. Almost kind of a letdown in terms of flashiness. But here's the thing, Jesus wasn't trying to be flashy. Jesus was trying to communicate a truth that was relevant for his disciples as he was getting ready to die, and it's relevant for you today if you are a Christ follower. And here's the truth that he was trying to say, I'm not going to be walking with you on the earth like I am right now for much longer. But I am the vine and you are the branches. Ministry will continue. Fruit will continue to be produced. You will do my work when I am gone. In fact, in John 14, 12, he even said greater things than these you will do. I was reflecting on the end of 2012 for First Christian Church and um, I got to be honest, I was really uh, very pleased with how the year ended in many ways. Um, but I think what excited me the most was not the really strong financial giving, even though it was a great end of the year. Very, very strong financial giving, and I say thank you for that. It, it, it really wasn't the, the special services that we had, although I thought they were just excellent, the special services that we had. It wasn't necessarily the goodbye to Ernie Harvey, although that was a good time. We had a lot of good laughs in many ways. Quick Ernie Harvey story. Called me Wednesday morning, said, first day in the office, had an elders meeting that night. I had a four-hour elders meeting. I said, buddy, I couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Keep up with those four-hour elders meetings. Here's the deal. If you were paying attention the last four or five weeks on Sunday morning, or if you read your K, you'll notice that many people came forward and said, I want to be a Christ follower. Many were baptized right here during services. Many more baptisms took place after services. This morning, we had two couples come forward at the conclusion of the service. Baptized believers, three of them are. I I want to be a member of First Christian Church. I've had many conversations in the last couple weeks about people saying, I want to be a Christ follower, or I want to join this fellowship at First Christian Church. And that excites me because 
fruit is being produced. I don't say that for my glory. I don't say that for Ernie's glory. I don't say that for any human's glory. I say that for God's glory, and I contrast it with this. I was doing some research yesterday for a friend looking at a denominational uh, website of a variety of different churches, and several churches that I was studying had zero decisions in 2012. Not, Not a single person said, I want to be a Christ follower. Not a single person said, I want to join this fellowship. Not one. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And on March chapter 10, we're going to realize that Jesus is the source that allows disciples to produce good fruit. Now, I know some of you, you're sitting there right now and you're saying, you're going to tell me, preacher Greg, that I'm supposed to be sharing my faith. You're going to tell me that I need to be inviting my friends. You're going to tell me that I've got work to do. And if you're a Christ follower, you better believe it. That's exactly right. Matthew 28, we are all called to be salt and light. We are all called to make disciples. Jesus is the source that allows disciples to produce good fruit. Well, normally I conclude each message with what I call a bottom line. And if I was being honest with you, the bottom line for this sermon this morning really is to be continued. Because we're going to spend the next eight weeks looking at these different I am statements, journeying through the Gospel of John. Spend time this week reading through the Gospel of John. Just three chapters a day gets you through the entire gospel in one week. You could read through the gospel of John eight times during this sermon series if you wanted to with just three chapters a day. But through it all, the conclusion that we're going to find through this series and really through this entire year of Sunday morning sermons focusing on Jesus, here's the bottom line. Jesus is the answer. If you get nothing else, if you hear nothing else, understand Jesus is the answer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. And we thank you for the opportunity to to be in your word. We were flying through the gospel of John today, and we're going to take eight weeks and go much much more slowly through it. But through it all, I want to know your word better. But more than that, I want to know Jesus better. As we study what, what, what it means to be the bread of life and the light of the world and the gate and the good shepherd and the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth, and the life and the vine. Help us not just to desire intellectual knowledge. Help us to settle for nothing less than heart change, life change. I pray that during these first three months of 2013 that you will rock my world that you will change our lives. That being people of faith will will never be the same because we become even more connected with Jesus Christ, the great I am. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the difference he makes. Thank you for the truth that he is the answer, whatever the question is. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It is uh, invitation time, as it is every Sunday here at our church. And if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, I invite you to come forward as the the team leads us in our song of worship. And I just want to throw this out. If if you don't even know what an invitation is, and I'm talking about becoming a Christ follower, and you're not even sure what that's about, but you just want to know more, find me afterwards.
call the office this week. I'd love to get together with you. That's my favorite thing to do in ministry is to be able to talk with people about Jesus and the difference that he makes. If, if you need prayer this morning, it's a, it's a tough season of life for many of us. I'm up front. I'd love to pray with you today as we stand and Jim leads us in our song of commitment. standing. This is my friend Jean Elsner, and she has just about perfect attendance in Sunday school every week, which I think is awesome. But Jean comes forward this morning as a baptized believer to transfer her membership to First Christian Church, and I've enjoyed getting to know Jean over, uh, how long have you been coming? A couple years? It's been that long? It's been a while, and I've enjoyed getting to know her. And I just would ask that this morning you repeat, and have us all repeat it together, that great confession, I believe... I believe Jesus is the Christ. that Jesus, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son of the living God. He's my Savior. He's my Savior. 
Let's pray for Jean, and this will be our closing prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Jean and for her decision to transfer her membership. And I'm just excited that after years and years of following after you, she's now part of our our church at Clinton. And I just pray that you bless her in the days and weeks ahead that she continues to meet people and, and get assimilated here at FCC. And this morning, as we close our service, we just thank you so much for Jesus, your son, and the difference that he makes in our life. Life can be really hard and discouraging and upsetting at times, but Jesus really is the answer. And because of that, we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're called to make a difference in your name. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.